Parenting a View from the Empty Nest. Uh, Peggy and I came to this church before there was a nest. We were both single when we came here back in 1977. We uh, started our nest here. We actually got married in this church. Uh, built our nest here. I, I know Hillary Clinton wrote a book called It Takes a Village. I don't know if it takes a village, but it takes a church. I really mean that. It takes a church. We raised two little wonderful birdies here in the nest. And now they're out of the nest and have nests of their own. Now it's time for the egg drop, guys. So, okay, that would be a mess. All right. Unlike Joel, uh, last week, Peggy and I are able to see parenting from the backside now instead of just from beginning the parenting cycle. We didn't do everything right, but we do have experience and we have perspective. We have perspective. Uh, we served as youth pastors for a while and have, have always worked with younger people. And then we also have had our own children. So we have at least that perspective. I want to tell you, and I want everybody listening carefully, this is just how I'm beginning this today. I do believe, I believe with all of my heart, from that perspective and from experience, <clears throat> that the majority of the kids' serious problems and their incredible successes are tied somehow to parenting. I truly believe that. I also know that there are some incredibly fantastic, conscientious, praying parents who've had a tough time raising their children. I know that. And I know there are some people that ought not to be parents at all that somehow produce champions. <laughs> I know that. And I'm looking and I know that. When I was younger, I had thought, well, if parents do this, this, and this, then you always get this kind of kid. And that is not true. That is generally true, but it is not always true. I know this. You can raise two children exactly the same way and have two different results. Here's why. Because God made us free moral agents. God gave us the power to make choices. God made us in his image. Therefore, we have the power to make choices. But I know this for sure. Parenting makes a difference. It makes a difference, the biggest difference of all. I think Pastor Joel last week got that point across quite well. Godly parenting is more powerful than a children's pastor, stronger than a youth pastor, wiser than a counselor, and more effective than a discipleship program. I really believe that. All of those things are great aids, but parenting is more important than that. And I have news for you. It doesn't end when they turn 18 or when they move out or when they marry or when they have kids or when their kids have kids. If you're a parent, you're stuck with it for the rest of your life. And that's where I am today. Your role will change, but you'll always be a parent. 
I want to show you some biblical proof of that. Uh, Jason, if you'll put that up for us. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. I want you to listen to this. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. In pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Chapter 3 is the story of the fall of man and woman. They fall into sin. And God came to them and with each one of them he said, here is the judgment, the punishment I'm going to mete out because of, of this. And so he told the man something and when he got to the woman, the first sentence is what I want you to notice. I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. In pain you will give birth to children. Now, most people think that has to do totally with the idea that it's going to hurt to have a baby. I would not know that by experience, but I know that from being mighty close to somebody that had two of them as she had them, and it hurt, all right? I know that's true, and people say, well, part of the judgment on women is that it's going to hurt to have babies. Let me tell you what, that is only half the equation. Did you notice it said something twice? It says, in pain, you will give birth to children. But it also said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbearing. That's because two different words are used. One is the word for having a baby, birthday. The other word is a word that's used for parenting, bearing children. You bear them when they're born and you bear them for the rest of your life, you carry your children with you. They will always be your children. Now, why does it say, I will greatly multiply your pain? That's because sin in this world made it to where everything bad that happens to the kids also affects the parents, doesn't it? For the rest of your life. I, I know this. Uh, this year, we, were, uh, we had to deal with uh, Lindsay and Joel's little girl Sophia and Grant their new boy in this past year have both spent time in the hospital quite a bit of time in the hospital with some really weirdo things that they had to deal with infection in their body and it was very very tense and very it bothersome and it's just one of those things where it's just got you what's going to happen what's going to happen and Peggy and I would go to the, go to the hospital and we would go to see the, the, the children and we saw little Sophia there and we didn't want her to be hurting and she was crying because she was hurting and we were hurting for her and we were hurting for Lindsay because our baby was hurting because her baby was hurting and I understand how it's greatly multiplied because now I've got two hurts to deal with. I want, I want to comfort Sophie and I want to comfort Lindsay. You see, we live in a fallen world, and whenever sin and sickness is in a fallen world, it will affect you for the rest of your life. I'm sorry, you're stuck with being a parent. Parenting, that's just the way it is. I read in the scripture about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Did you notice that she hung in there with him? She hung in there with him all the way to the cross. All the way to the cross. And Jesus, in pain, on the cross, nails in his hands, nails in his feet, looked down and said to John, John, take care of my mom. <laughs> There's something about a relationship between 
parents and their children that just keeps going on. It just keeps going on. Those people that say, well, when you're 18, you've got to do everything on your own. Well, that's not fair to a kid. It's not fair to a parent. <laughs> because you don't just, we're not like, um, we're not like uh, animals that have a litter of puppies and then once they once they're weaned, they're on their own, and then they just worry about another litter of puppies. That's not, that's not what we are. God didn't make us that way. It's, that's not how it goes. I read in the scripture about Rizpah, the, uh, the mother of one of King Saul's sons, or two of his sons. Uh, they were, their bodies were uh, hanging on a, on a stick that they had been killed, and the enemy had put them out there for the vultures to destroy and Rispa stayed there for day and night and day and night fighting the, the vultures away from her sons because for her, parenting didn't stop. And that's sort of the way the Bible talks about parenting. Parenting is not something that just ends. But the roles do change. Thank God. The roles do change. Um, there are some... There are some moments that I remember in, in, in growing up. There are those aha moments where you just say, did you get it kind of thing. I read a story about a lady that said she sort of realized she had her aha moment about a year after her son got married. She, one day she brought him a package to, to his house and he opened it up in front of his wife and, and it was underwear and the look on his face told her, you know what, I think he's married now. I probably don't need the one to buy his underwear anymore. That was her aha moment. She said, boy, I learned that one. <laughs> well, we've all had some aha moments. I remember one of a, an aha moment from my mom. Uh, Peggy and I had been married about less than a year. And uh, we decided to change cars because our car was messing up. So we decided to buy a car and, you know, we... We were working and we, we bought a car. And I remember driving the car home and see my parents one time and my mother goes, what's that? I said, well, that's our car. You got a car? Yeah. Why didn't you call your dad? Why didn't you ask your dad about that? And I remember going, I cannot believe my mother just did this. <laughs> and so I, I, I sort of would I sort of grin and bear it there for a while and I, I remember going home and I called my brother who's a little older than me but he wasn't married at, at the time and I called my brother and I said Mike would you please try to get word to mom to back off this is like my car we're like Mary we made that decision well it wasn't long I got a sweet letter from my mom going I am so sorry I you're the first married son I've ever had I'm really really sorry and I never had to cross that bridge again. I think my mom just had a hard time stepping over the empty nest line. Did my mom not have anything to do with us? Are you kidding? We wanted my mom to have everything in the world to do with us. But there were boundaries then. And we had to learn where the roles changed. That, that has to happen. That has to happen. I remember when Lindsay and Joel got married. The day they got married. Right here in this church, they left to, to go on their honeymoon. They went somewhere, Atlanta somewhere, and went to a, at a hotel there. And there was a phone call to me. Dad, they, they, they don't have a reservation here. And I said, ask your husband what to do.
And he just worked it out fine. You've all heard of helicopter parents. A helicopter parent is sort of a, a funny phrase, but a helicopter parent is a parent who treats their child throughout their childhood up until their adulthood like they did when they were a toddler. Always there, hovering over them, making sure they make every, every decision for them. That's great when they're an infant or a toddler because toddlers will get out and get in the road or whatever. You've got to be rather helicopter, helicopter-ish. Is that a word? But you know, it gradually changes as time goes on. You can't be a helicopter parent. Then on the other hand, you have this reaction to helicopter parents. They're called free-range parents. They're the parents that say, let them do whatever they want to do. No correction. They'll eventually, their little spirit will come out and they'll eventually become the person they're meant to be. Oh yeah. Anybody remember a, a, a famous skier named Peekaboo Street? Anybody remember Peekaboo Street? Peekaboo Street, her parents were free-range parents. Her parents were hippies. And when she was born, they did not give her a name. They wanted her to wait and choose her own name. The child learned the little game Peekaboo and just began to be, call herself Peekaboo, because they would look at her and go, Peekaboo. And so they called her, and she grew up with the name Peekaboo Street. There, there was a, a lady that used to work for my dad in a drugstore. Um, she, she was a, a real country lady. She was just one of the drugstore clerks, excellent lady. But um, she was just real plain spoken. And so one day, this person came in the drugstore and had a new baby. It was a little boy. And she said, well, what's his name? Well, she was expecting John, Paul, Philip, you know, something. And it was some name that had an, like an apostrophe and an asterisk in it or something. It was just some incredibly weird name. And she looked at him and said, pert near killed the boy when you named him. <laughs> That's a free-range parent right there, I suppose. But roles change. You, you can't be a helicopter parent. You can't be a free-range parent. You've got to somehow, parenting has to start intense, and then as time goes on, the parenting jobs, the parenting roles begin to change. And when a person gets to the empty nest place, boy, does it change. But it's, it's supposed to be that way. God made it that way. Roles don't change at 18. Legal roles do, but parenting roles don't. You know, uh, one guy wrote, he said, being a parent for my adult children is like feeding an alligator. He said, if you stay away, if you stay too far away, they'll starve to death. But if you get too close, you might lose an arm. That's, a, that's a, probably a pretty good thing to be thinking of when you're an empty nest parent. The Bible says that a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh. That means that especially at this thing called marriage, there is a, there is a change of priority. Parenting really takes a big change there. 
And it's not just in responsibility. A, a parent has been close to their child and shall always be, but never one with them. That's the role of a spouse. That's an important thing for parents like Peggy and me to always remember. Um, we will always have a place in our children's life, but not the place. And that's okay with us because we still have the place for each other. And that's important. Here's some things that, this is just, I'm trying to be real practical here. Here's some things for those of you that are parents, grandparents, parents of adult children. This is just, this is just uh, practical advice here. This is an example of how the role can be different. Number one, listen. Listen. Sometimes they just need somebody to listen more than anything in the world. Just somebody to listen. Somebody that says, yeah, I remember when y'all used to do that. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what about, what about my, is my child, is my child has a stuffy nose. Are they going to die? No, you had a lot of them. Sometimes just to, just to listen and sympathize a bit. Don't reprimand. Sometimes parents can put guilt trips on their children. They can put guilt trips on the children when they're little. Guilt trips on them when they're teenagers. They don't respond well to those. And even worse, guilt trips on them when they're older and when they're married. Don't put a guilt trip on your child. You know, I read a... a uh, a survey, I mean not a survey, a study. I was looking for this and I read a study that said that children, adult children, adult children with happy grandmothers live longer. <laughs> how, how random is that study? Adults with happy grandmothers in their life live longer. Now there are mean grandmothers and they're happy grandmothers. The happy grandmothers cause their children to live longer. How about that? It's sort of weird. So let's don't reprimand. We don't have parenting. There was a time when parenting was all about do this, do that, be careful, watch out, do this, do that. And there comes a time when they already know those things. You don't really have to tell them all that again. Compliment them. You remember when Remember when your kids were little and they always said, hey, dad, watch, watch this. And then they would do some insignificant thing. I, I remember we, we had a little swing set in the back. And if we ever walked down the back porch, the girls were always like, hey, watch this. And they would like sit in the swing and swing and jump out. And you're going, oh, wow. And they would, hey, dad, dad, watch me do this. Watch me do this. You know, kids never get over that. Kids always still want mom and dad to approve and to watch what we're doing. Be a part of what's going on. You know what? That's, the, that's, that's a, I like that role. Peggy and I like that role a lot. That's a fun role. Because you're not responsible. You just get to watch. That's an important role because kids need to know that their parents think they're good parents. It makes, makes the kids feel better. It doesn't feel good if they feel like their parents are always frowning on their kids. Boy, I tell you, you're going to raise some real monsters. And you, you expect them to say, just like I did. <laughs> Compliment them. 
One, one uh, kid said to his dad, Dad, I don't want your advice. I just want your help. <laughs> Sometimes that's part of it too. Help is as important as advice. And I mean help as in just lending a hand. Help is just as important as advice. So in other words, for those of us who are empty nest parents, is our value decreased? No. Just our job uh, load. <laughs> Has our value decreased? No, not at all. But instead of being a manager, we're more like consultants. God didn't intend on emptiness parents to manage their children for the rest of their life. But to be close enough to say, I'm an ear when you need it, I'm a hand when you want it, and I'm a heart all the time. What is your job? To be an intercessor and a role model. To me, that, that, instead of a two-point sermon, a three-point sermon, here's a two-point. You want to be a really powerful parent after the parenting duties of, of your own nest are over? Then you'd be the greatest intercessor in the world for your grown kids and their kids and their kids. You'd be the covering over them. And you'd be the role model so that when those parents can when those parents, as they deal with issues for their children, they've got mom and dad to look at and say, I'm going to do it like they did that. Be a role model. Role models start when they're young. But be a role model. Keep being the role model for them. Be the intercessor. Be the role model. I believe that the difference in America is going to be made by parents. I, do, I believe that. Parenting will make a difference. Parenting will make a difference. I've seen in the last 10 years, listen carefully, in, in just working with master's students and, and counseling young people a lot, I've seen in the last 10 years some of the worst tragedies in kids' lives are caused by parents who, are just, who, are, who just don't understand parenting. But I have seen a, an incredible interest in the church of Jesus Christ on being good parents. And I'm seeing people reaching out saying, I'm ready to be a good parent. I, I think people have looked around and have seen some things that have gone awry and said, I want to be a good parent. I want to be a godly parent. I believe it'll change. I believe it can change the fiber of this country. Godly parenting. And godly parenting begins and never ends. I believe that with all of my heart. I'm going to ask all of you to stand, if you will. Jeremy, if, if you'll come and your team or whoever will come to the front. I, I want to just take this opportunity as an altar call. I'm going to ask you to, uh, I'm especially making an appeal to those of us who are empty nesters, grandparent or not. You're, you know, most of the kids are out of the nest, or some of the kids are out of the nest, or all the kids are out of the nest. And, and you say, I want to be the most effective parent that I can be for the rest of my life. God, I want you to guide me. I just want to be an effective parent. Maybe what you have in your heart right now is you've got some real burdens for your family. Maybe you need someone to agree with you about your family. Maybe the intercession role needs to start in this altar call. I'm going to ask you if you will. God, help me to be a role model. God, I pray for my kids.
I pray for their families. In this altar call time, I'm going to ask you, and I want to ask our prayer team, if you'll just come and stand at the front for a moment. I'm going to ask you to be prepared, if you will, for people just to slip down the aisle and just be willing to pray with you and agree with you in prayer very quickly. It's not a counseling time. It's just, are you willing to have someone just agree with you in prayer? Maybe you've got a burden. Maybe you've got children that are away from God. Maybe you're one of those parents that you did what you thought was right and you did it as best you can and you still ended up with problems with your kids. Nobody judges you for that. Nobody judges you at all. We've, we've all seen that in our own families before. Somebody will agree with you and pray with you. I believe parents have the most incredible role in helping their children. Would you right now Bow your heads. Everyone, if you will, just bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you to please, Father, please allow people to feel the freedom to come right now and just get some help at the throne of grace with brothers and sisters agreeing with them. Put that on their hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come? Would you come? Just step out right now. If you feel like you need to come and do that, you come on right now. Would you? Somebody's going to meet you here. Would you come? Good. Folks are coming. 